new to the study. Uh, this is going to be a uh, review uh, for, for some of you. Um, but Romans 8 and 31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So what will you say to these things? Um, and I'm learning in my life that Father has given me something to say uh, to everything that has anything to do with my life. I was even thinking about it this morning. You know, the cough is much better. Um, Wednesday around 4 o'clock, I took a major step forward in feeling better, so I'm thankful for that. starting to get my strength back 100%. And, um, but even like a cough, what, what will you say to a cough? You know, what, how are you going to respond to it? Um, you know, look at the different, you know, details of your life. If there's something in your life that's, that's annoying you, if there's, you know, everything would be cool in my life if it weren't for fill in the blank, well, what are you going to say to that thing? How, how are you releasing the Word of God and faith um, to that issue? But what he's really talking about here is, is how you're going to respond. And that's what we're really looking at in the Word of God is our response because uh, the enemy of your soul is trying to manipulate the way you respond to things. Uh, he can't make you do anything, but he tries to entice us uh, into responding to circumstances, to situations, to other people that he may be influencing and manipulating, all in an effort to control you and to get you to do things, amen, that would be contrary to who you are in Christ, first of all, but also to try to get you to do things that would cause issues and problems in your life that would affect you uh, negatively uh, in, in different ways. Because listen to me, look at me for a moment when we talk about responding, and this is a whole aspect of this we haven't even covered yet. But remember, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he'll also reap. And you're not the exception, and I'm not the exception to this. And the, and the enemy of your soul, Satan knows the power of planting and reaping. Because when a farmer plants one kernel of corn, he doesn't get one kernel of corn back, right? He gets a stalk with multiple ears of corn on it. And so this is a huge factor in how we respond because Satan is trying to manipulate your response to get you to sow bad seed. Um, seeds of judgment, seeds of gossip, um, you know, seeds of, of um, literally, not just figuratively, but literally cursing another person but also figuratively cursing an, another person. And so, again, we could maybe look into that a little deeper in, in the future, but um, the enemy can't make you do anything. As I say over and over again, he cannot mess up your life without your cooperation. And so one of the key ways that he uh, deceives us into cooperating with him is through our responses. This is why Jesus, uh, perhaps more than any other two subjects in his Sermon on the Mount, um, he talked about our attitude and the way we respond. And he told us to turn the other cheek. He told us to go the extra mile. He told us to bless those who curse us. He told us to pray for those who spitefully use us. He told us to not take offense. He told us to forgive one another. He told us to not worry. And if you look at all of those things individually and then put them together collectively, you see that the one thing that all of those things have in common is that they're responses. Worry is a response. Um, uh, not forgiving somebody is a response. They've done something uh, that has somehow offended you, somehow has harmed you. And so you're either going to respond with forgiving or respond with holding some kind of you know, anger or bitterness um, against that person. So again, do you see how 
It's the enemy manipulating circumstances, situations, even other people in your life against you to try to get you to respond to that person. So by turning the other cheek and forgiving, Jesus isn't telling you that it's wrong to stand up for yourself. But, but he's also trying to give us keys to victory in life so that we can uh, obviously put the enemy under our feet. L- l- listen to me, and I, I know there's different ways of looking at this, but, but hear, me, hear me out on this, okay? Um, there is so much life, there is so much power, there, there, there is you know, so much goodness and good things inside of you. For instance, the Bible says in Ephesians 1, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, right? So it's not a matter of you being blessed, right? You may not understand that yet, but I'm telling you, you've been blessed. You, you're an heir with Jesus, and a, a, an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. And we could spend the rest of our time together tonight talking about how good you've got it right now. And so the devil is playing spoiler in your life. He's trying, do you understand what that means? He's trying to prevent you from enjoying what is already yours. He's trying to keep you from ever tapping into the power and the blessing and, the, and, and even your ability to, to minister to other people. Remember, Jesus said you would lay your hands on the sick and the sick would recover. And so the devil knows that that's in you. So what does he try to do? He tries to intimidate you. He tries to convince you that it won't work. He tries to tell you that people will think you're a nut if you ask them if you can lay hands on them and pray for them. And, and because, again, he's trying to, to contain you and he's trying to play spoiler in your life. And so, you know, I think so many believers are trying to figure out how they can be blessed when the reality is you're already blessed, Right? And so if, if we can learn how the enemy works against us to try to hinder or slow down or prevent altogether the blessing of God from being experienced and enjoyed in our lives. And, and, and so this is what we're talking about here. It, it, you know, I've said again and again, I'll say it one more time this morning, how you respond is a difference between victory and defeat. It's, it's literally the difference between whether you're enjoying the blessings uh, that God has already given to you or not enjoying those blessings. And so the right response on your part will neutralize the devil's strategies against you. The right response on your part will neutralize the devil's strategies against you. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Praise God. All that was review and maybe a little bit added in there. But Ephesians 6 is where we left off on last Sunday morning. Amen. <clears throat> Ephesians 6, uh, let's begin at verse number 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Notice, he didn't say that we don't wrestle. We don't battle. We do wrestle. We do battle. But he's saying we do not wrestle. We do not battle against flesh and blood. So in light of these things, what does he tell us to do? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore is the next verse. But let me go back to that in the evil day. In the evil day. When we break this word evil down uh, in, in the original language, 
It literally means to stop short, pull back, and miss out on the full measure. See, we hear evil and we think darkness and we think this and we think that. Um, and when, when he's, what he's really talking about here, the, the evil day is when the enemy is working against you to try to steal from you what God has freely given to you, trying to keep you from laying hold of all that Jesus has laid hold on you to have an experience in your life. So he goes on to say, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, we'll talk about this in greater detail in the days ahead, all right? But this one right here to me is obviously truth and faith and righteousness and salvation and the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. But when he's talking about having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, amen. When we go out into the world, as remember, we're in this world, but we're not of it. When we, as God's children, as His ambassadors, amen, when we go out into the world, we go out into a world filled with strife. Am I right about this? I mean, if, if you hadn't figured that out by now, you know, what rock have you been living under, right? And it's, and it's increasing. We live in a world filled with strife, but everywhere we go, we should be bringing peace. Amen. See, the enemy, again, he's trying... Remember we said this back in... I don't know, we started in June talking about these things. Um, as long as the chaos around you doesn't become chaos inside of you, then you can, you can rebuke and even take authority over the chaos around you. But the enemy is wanting what's going on around you to, to get inside of you. This is why Jesus said, guard your heart, don't be deceived, right? Guard your heart. He's wanting the chaos around you to become chaos inside of you because this then prevents you from being able to do anything to stop the chaos. Amen. So among other things, your feet being shod, that, that word shod literally means you're putting on the shoes of peace. And why is that important? Everywhere your foot steps, you have the ability and the authority to bring peace into that situation, to bring peace into that situation. Now, people around you, who they may be born again but don't know and understand this. They have the ability to do it, but they may not be doing it. People who don't know God, right, they're, they're being u- utilized by the enemy um, to, to try to stir up uh, strife and confusion, and they don't even realize they do it. They do it in the name of defending themselves. They do it in the name of justice. They do it in the name of all these other things, right? So it puts you in a very specific and unique category as someone who has the ability to bring peace. Remember back to those attitudes Jesus talked about, blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. You have the ability to make peace. A whole lot of putting on this armor has to do with the attitude. It has to do with the mindset. It has to to do with you being aware of this. Amen? And I want to make sure this morning, even before we get to this in greater detail, that you are aware that you can put on the gospel of peace, amen, on your feet, and everywhere you go, you're bringing the good news of peace into that situation. You remember what the angel said when, when Jesus was born? Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. All right, praise God. Let me get back uh, here uh, to where we were. And I I dropped out, Christy, so if if you want to put these last few verses up, okay. Um, And having, verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, 
Above all, take in the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, just to point out to you once again that he's talking about something that you must do. Father God has made all of these things available for you and for me. Okay, They're part of our birthright. They're part of the equipment that comes. Are you following what I'm saying? I've mentioned a few times over the course of these last few weeks about when I went to work as a 911 operator for the city of Hoover. Okay, They provided me part of my uh, you know, being hired there and part of my uh, job and, and, and uh, benefits was they provided me with the uniform. Amen. But it was still up to me to take the uniform and put it on. Okay? So in the same way, as, as a, as a blood-bought child of God, you have been provided by God with all of this spiritual armor. He's, he has given it to you. Okay? Um, and so it's still, though, a personal responsibility on your part and on my part to take it up and to put it on. So there are many, many, many born-again believers who have been issued right, a helmet of salvation, but they've never put it on. They've been issued a breastplate of righteousness, but they've never put it on, okay? So it's our responsibility to take it up, and it's our responsibility to put it on. Verse 11, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I want you to, to, to do something for me this morning, okay? I want you to use your imagination. I sometimes ask you to do this. I want you to use your imagination and I want you to imagine someone going into battle without armor or weapons while everyone around them has weapons and armor. Okay? Do you, do you have that image in your mind? I, want, I, want, I really, and I'm not trying to, you know, be spooky or hokey this morning. I want, I want you to imagine that. I want you to picture that, right? I mean, everybody, you know, on this battlefield, um, they've got on, you know, for some reason it helps me think like back in the, uh, you know, days where, you know, they had swords and the shield and the, and the helmet and the, and the breastplate, like what we're talking about here. So, you know, a whole battlefield covered with uh, soldiers uh, fighting, but somewhere in the middle, there's this, there's this one person who doesn't have a sword, they don't have a shield, they're standing there with absolutely no armor on. Okay? You got the picture? You got the image? Now, do you remember what 1 Peter 5 and 8 says? Remember your adversary the devil is seeking whom he may devour. He's seeking whom he may devour. Well, if, if, if you're the enemy and you're surveying this battlefield, um, you know, that big old guy over there that's six foot eight, um, chiseled out of stone um, with some of the best armor and the longest sword and the heaviest sword and the biggest shield and the heaviest shield out there, you're probably going to kind of stay away from him on the battlefield, right? But over there, you see somebody weighs about 115 pounds with no armor on, right? That's probably the one person you're wanting to engage in battle, are you following what I'm saying this morning? So, who do you think the devil's going after first? The one wearing the whole armor of God with the flaming sword of the Spirit in their hands or the poor soul standing there in flip-flops and a t-shirt holding a smartphone? 
I think it's pretty clear. I think it's pretty clear. If we could see it in the spirit, right? Who can the devil devour? It's going to be a whole lot easier for him to devour the one who doesn't have a weapon, who doesn't have an armor, who, who is not prepared for battle, who doesn't even know what the battle's about, right? They're just kind of like standing around like, why is everybody doing what's going on around here, right? See, again, this makes you very easy pickings, very easy prey for the enemy, so this brings us back to this question, and thank, thank the Lord we're getting to it a little earlier this morning than, than we have in the last two sermons. How do we then practically and effectively put on the whole armor of God? How do, how do we do this? Now, in order to fully understand the answer to this question, there, there are some general truths that you either need to understand or perhaps you may need to be reminded of, okay? And we were talking about this in discipleship class uh, on Wednesday evening. You are a three-dimensional being. The real you is not the physical body that you see in the mirror in the mornings. The real you is your spirit. You are a spirit. You don't just have a spirit You are a spirit. Your spirit is the part of you that's going to live forever or die forever somewhere. If you've been born again, your spirit is the part of you that has been born again. That's one dimension. It's the most important dimension of of your existence. But you are a three-dimensional being. You are a spirit and you possess a soul. Your soul is the part of you that, that we think of as our mind our uh, emotions, and our will. Or I like to say it this way, the part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels, and the part of you that makes choices. That's your soul. So you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and your spirit and soul are like a hand inside of a glove that is your physical body. So the third dimension of your existence is your flesh. It's your physical body. Now, most people on planet Earth only understand themselves as being a one-dimensional being. They think of everything in terms of their outward man or their physical part. Uh, not only think of it as, as being first, but they also think of it as being only. First and only is this one-dimensional. And so when people think in terms and try to live life in terms of, of being a one-dimensional being, it makes them very vulnerable to the enemy because the enemy, remember, he's a spirit being. He is a spirit being trying to affect things in your physical reality, okay? So you are a spirit, you possess a soul that lives inside of a physical body. So when we talk about not wrestling against flesh and blood, he's not talking about something that, that is, is, a, is a flesh and blood or, you know, think of the right arm with a muscle and the fist. He's, he's not talking about that. He's talking about something deeper inside of you. For some reason, and I don't know just because I've done it so many times, or, but every time I talk along these lines, I, my mind and heart goes back to Nicodemus. Remember, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, how can a man when he's full grown go back inside his mother's body and be born a second time? Because Nicodemus was only thinking in one dimension. He was thinking in order for a man to be born a second time, he was going to have to be born a second time physically. And Jesus explained it to him and to us. He said that that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. 
So Jesus was saying to be born a second time, He's not talking about the outward dimension of the flesh. He's talking about that inner dimension of the Spirit. That's the part of you that was born again. Your soul was not born again. Your flesh was not born again. Your spirit was the part of you that has been born again. Amen. So your enemy is a spirit. He's a demonic spirit. You know, he, the devil is a, is a spirit and demons are spirits. Okay? And so they understand that you're a three-dimensional being. They, they understand these things. And so they're, they're working against you in three dimensions. And if you only think of yourself as a one-dimensional being, they've automatically got an advantage over you. Okay? And so this is why so many people, they experience things in their life, but they have no idea why they keep making the same mistake over and over again. They have no idea why they're dealing with all kinds of emotional issues, depression and, and anger issues and all these other things. Again, because they're trying to figure it out from a flesh-first, flesh-only position. This is why pharmaceuticals are so, pop, so popular, Right? People have emotional issues, and so they look for a physical pill that they can swallow and take in their physical body that will alter the, the neurochemicals and the synapses in their brain and, and, and all of that to try to help them cope with these emotional issues without ever understanding that, that you're not just a physical body. You are a spirit. You possess a soul that lives inside of a physical body. And so if you're ever going to understand how to practically and effectively put on the whole armor of God, you've got to begin with a basic understanding that you are a three-dimensional being. And the armor that you've been given is first and foremost spiritual. Now, that's not a negative thing. Because what we see in 2 Corinthians 10 is that the weapons of our warfare are not physical, but they are mighty. Amen. In other words, remember, everything that you can see, everything that you can feel, touch, taste, smell in this physical realm, it was created from an underlying spirit realm. Amen. And so when you talk about which one is greater, my friend, everything that's physical was produced by that which is, spirit, which is spiritual. Amen. So when he says that we've been given spiritual armor, it's superior to any, you know, machine gun a billy club, baseball bat, a motorcycle helmet, you know, is there anything that you could put on to try to protect yourself physically, right? Um, cannot, it's not even close to the, to the spiritual armor and weaponry that, that, that is available to every born again believer. So how do we put it on? I mean, obviously I put on this jacket, you know, by pulling it out, taking it off the, the, the hanger in my closet and, and putting my arms in it and I put it on. How do I put on a breastplate of righteousness? It doesn't hang in my physical closet. It's not a physical garment. It's something that's spiritual in nature. Right? So, watch this very carefully. The Bible says in 3 John, and I could, I could give you a hundred verses, but let's just take this one. 3 John, Beloved, I wish above all things, it's the... 1st, 2nd, 3rd John is only one chapter. Chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So he's talking about here, and this is one example of all kinds of verses that we could look at. This is one example, right? If you are a born-again believer, let's go back to where we started this morning. You've been blessed. 
But very few people ever enjoy and actually experience those blessings in their life reality. Why? Because their soul shuts it down. Their thinking is, is, is in opposition to, to who and what God says they are and have been given. So if you've been born again, we'll use the breastplate of righteousness as a classic example. If you've been born again, you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You've become just as righteous before God in the eyes of God as Jesus himself. Nothing you earn, nothing you deserve. Jesus bought and paid for it for you and you believed it when you heard it and you received it and were born a second time as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is who you are. This isn't something that I made myself. This is nothing you could ever make yourself. This is something He made me. The Bible didn't say that that the Son will set you free. It, It said He will make you free. There's a difference between being set free and being made freedom. Amen. So why do so many of God's people who've been made freedom not live in freedom? Because their minds don't believe they are free. Their thinking is more uh, in alignment with uh, being a slave to sin than being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying here? So let's go back to it then. How do we effectively, how do we practically put on something that's spiritual in nature? Your mind, your thinking, your emotions, your choices are going to have to be engaged in this process. So again, it's one thing to have, it's another thing to actually put on and wear. And, and I know I'm focusing on the putting on, but he didn't just say put it on. He said take it up and put it on. Take it up. So the idea, and I could act this out, but I think everybody's vivid enough imagination. It's one thing for somebody to hand you something. It's another thing for you to take it from them. So he's, he's, he's like, here it is, here it is. Take it and put it on. Take it and put it on. So it begins with, you've got to receive this. Now, you say, I thought if I was born again, I've already received it. It's one thing to receive it. It's another thing to be aware that you've received it. It's another thing to be conscious of it. It's another thing for your mind to be renewed to the point that you say, I, whom the Son has made free, is free indeed. If He made me free, I'm free. So this is where taking it, in other words, taking it involves you acknowledging, you recognizing, you agreeing with the God who says He's given you these things, that they belong to you. And then comes this putting it on, taking it up and putting it on. Now, last week we were kind of stumbling around in an area in in, in that we were talking about this this idea of, um, of, 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 of wearing a uniform. And, and I asked then, I'll ask again now, if, if you've ever had a job or been in a situation where you've had to wear a uniform. And I've, I've tried, even tried more, you know, for today's message to try to put into terms, to put into words somehow to communicate this effectively. But unless you've ever had to wear a uniform, it's kind of hard to communicate. But something happens when you put on that uniform. Are you hearing me? And, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about, you know, the, a Marine Corps uniform. I mean, that would obviously probably, and I guess because my dad's a Marine, you know, that would like be the, I guess the ultimate, you know, you see him on those commercials. Um, it could be the dog catcher's uniform. 
But there's something about it when you, when you put on that uniform. Am I just losing my mind here? Are you following what I'm saying here? I mean, it almost like it, it just stiffens you back a little bit more. I don't know. It's like, you know, I always found myself standing up straighter when I, when I, when I had the uniform on. You know, I don't know. It's like you carry yourself in a, in, in, in a different way. And, and I think part of that is because the uniform makes you aware. It, it, it makes you present in that moment. It may, you know, some of the things that we said, and I, I don't want to try to repeat all of that, but one of the things that we were talking about um, last week, let me pull it up here in my notes. When you, when you um, put on the uniform, you put on the team. When you put on the uniform, you put on the business, the institution, the government that uniform represents. You're not, you're not just putting on you know, something that everybody else you know, matches everybody else. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? It's not just so that the dude looking for ketchup can readily recognize you as a fast food employee. It's, it's something about when you put that on. When, when, when someone works at McDonald's, when they put on that McDonald's uniform, they put on McDonald's. Now they become a representative. They become an extension of they, that, that institution and acting. I'm not trying to get all technical on you. You become, you act as an agent of that institution, a representative of that institution. When you put on the uniform, you put on who and what the uniform stands for. And you become united with everyone else who wears it. Putting on the uniform makes you part of something bigger than yourself. Right? Sometimes you hear policemen talk about everyone who's wore the uniform. I'm certainly not trying to put myself in that category. But I'm just saying, everyone who's wore the uniform. And I know there's a lot in our world, and some of that's died down. There's, a, you know, defund the police, get rid of the police, and all sorts of stuff. It's a noble profession. I mean, there, you know... Not every teacher has sex with their students. Some do. Do I need to go back down this road with this group? I don't think I do. I mean, there's, there, there are bad eggs in every profession, pastors included. But, but you know, the overwhelming majority of, of policemen and policewomen, right, they see, you know, they serve and protect. I mean, that's, that's I believe it's a calling. I, I had a... a uh, Someone very close to me that was considering that. And I, and I told him, I said, look, are you called to do that? Because that's not just, you know, looks good to, that uniform looks sharp and I like carrying a gun. I mean, it's, this, this goes way beyond this, right? You, this is a calling. Read the, read the Bible. I mean, it says it. Those who act in authority like that. So you put that uniform on. You put on what it represents. You, it's not just camaraderie. It's honor. It's it's responsibility. It's it's um, you know that's why you know bad officers don't bad police officers bad pastors bad accountants they don't they don't want people wearing the uniform so to speak that are giving them a bad name that that are that are dishonoring the institution that that they represent. And so again, there's there's something about there's a confidence that we have when we put that armor on. There's there's um, a, a a unity um, that it, it's a very it's a very special group. Are you are you hearing me? It's a very um, the Marine Corps. They have a saying. 
um, esprit de corps. It's the spirit of the corps. It's the attitude of, of a Marine. And, and we say the attitude of a Marine. We're talking about how that Marine carries himself or herself. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying? It's that they represent, that, you know, they went through the crucible. They, 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 they earned that. They, like cream coming to the top, they're the cream of the crop. And when they put that, that uniform on, um, it, it represents something. Maybe I've belabored this too much. But in the, in the same way, there, there is a confidence that, that we have in, in that uniform, in the, in the whole armor of God, where, you know, I'm just telling you, when the enemy sees you wearing the righteousness that you've become, when he sees you with the helmet of salvation, that's the two most vulnerable places, right? The enemy's trying to strike you in, in, in your center mass, or he wants to strike, you know, I'm talking about like in combat, hand-to-hand combat, you know. want to strike you in the head, head or neck, center mass, right? And when you've got that helmet of salvation on you, and you, all he can see is your, your focused eyes looking out that vent hole, right? And that helmet comes down and covers your main arteries and your neck. And then you've got that breastplate of righteousness that literally is secured. Amen. I mean, how's he, how is he going to get to you? How, how, how is he, what is he going to do? Amen. You're intimidating to him. I don't know if you know that or not. When you're in that armor, you, you are a foe to be reckoned with. Now, spiritually, you're a foe to be reckoned with. But remember... We're spirit beings living in a physical world. And the enemy tries to attack us mentally. He tries to attack us spiritually to get us to react physically. Oh, praise God. I'm running out of time, but not out of stuff. Let me, um, let me get this part said right here, and then we'll call it a morning. Is that okay? Everybody all right? You get anything out of this? Man, it's helping me. I, I want, I, you know, that was one of my things. I, I, I don't want it just to help me. I want it to help you, and I want to be able to communicate it to you the way the Lord is showing it to me. Let's, let's focus in for just a minute. And one last thing I want to tell you. And um, when he says put on the whole armor of God, not that you may stand against the devil, but that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. You'll never beat the devil unless you beat his wiles. And we see that his wiles have to do with his strategies, his methods. And one of the things that we pointed out last week is the original word carries with it the idea of a strategy developed after careful investigation and consideration. We said that your adversary has been studying you and has developed a personalized strategy to use against you. He's been studying you and has developed a personalized strategy to use against you. This is why Hebrews speaks of the sin that easily besets you. And so from all of that, the Greek words and all that stuff, we just use this simple phrase, pushing your buttons. Whereas the devil is trying to figure out how to push your buttons. So what? It, notice the tie-in here now to responding. The devil's trying to figure out which buttons of stress to push in your life to get you to respond in a harmful way. He's trying to figure out which buttons of irritation to push in your life to get you to smart off to your wife. 
He's trying to figure out what buttons to push in your life to get you to cuss out your boss and get fired. The devil won't, see, the devil don't want you prospering. He don't want you having a good job. He don't want you having good benefits and retirement and all that stuff. So he's try, but see, he can't just come in and steal that job from you. But he's trying to figure out what buttons he's got to push, right? Get you just to not show up in the morning. Are you following what I'm saying? This is how, this is how he works. And if you don't understand this, you're at a disadvantage to him. It's clearly what 2 Corinthians 2.11 says. Okay? You still with me? So if you're going to beat the devil, you've got to beat his wiles. You've got to understand that he's trying to push your buttons. Okay? So here's the statement. It is very hard for the devil to push your buttons when you're wearing the whole armor of God. You, you see this, right? I'm try, again, we're, it seems like two completely you know, disjointed things, but yet they're so powerfully connected. How are you going to respond? What are you going to say to these things? What does it have to do with the armor of God? Everything, because we're putting on the armor to overcome the wiles, and every wile the devil has is trying to figure out how to push your button, how to entice you. What is temptation? What is sin but a wrong response to temptation? Think of this right now. Praise God. Singers and musicians, y'all come on. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just, I want to talk about them all at the same time, but it's hard to do. So I'm just, whatever I say about righteousness, it applies to the rest. Whatever I say about salvation, it applies to the rest. But let's, let's just go back to righteousness, okay? Right before God in the eyes of God, just as right before God in the eyes of God is Jesus, okay? Do you realize how few believers in the world, I'm not people who have been born again, have ever even been told that there is right before God in the eyes of God is Jesus? They are completely clueless. They are completely unaware of the righteousness that they've been made. They still think of themselves as a sinner or as an old sinner saved by grace, right? No, 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 a thousand times no. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But we will never enjoy and experience that righteousness as long as we think of ourselves and see ourselves and have the attitude of, towards ourselves that, that you know, we're just sinners or sinners saved by grace. So watch this. Watch this now. Putting on the breastplate to stand against the devil. Watch these two things now. The more aware you become of your righteousness the harder it is for the devil to entice you to sin. Stand with me this morning. Think about that. The more aware you become of your righteousness, this is how you put it on. You put it on by becoming aware of it. You put it on by, by having a righteousness attitude. You, this is how you put it on. So notice, the more aware you are of your righteousness, the more you're putting on, the more consistently you're putting on that, that breastplate of righteousness. The more you're aware of it, the harder it is for the devil to entice you to sin. But, but watch now. I think you've got it already, but let's look at it in reverse. The less aware you are of your righteousness, the easier it is for him to entice you to sin. The devil brings some silly temptation to you, and you're like, I don't know, I don't know where that's coming from. I'm righteous. That's not who I am. That's not how I live. That's not, that's not me. 
So, does the devil want to try to entice us to sin? You better know he does. Okay? Is that one of his tactics that he uses against us? It absolutely is. So how do we defend ourselves against the enemy who's trying to entice us to sin? Do you realize how many Christians answer with willpower? Well, I guess I just need to try harder. Well, how's that been working out for you? Right? I just, I just must not want it bad enough. No, that's not how this works. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. You become aware of who you are in Christ. You begin to live with an attitude that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It makes it harder and harder and harder for the devil to entice you to sin. Amen? All right, Father, thank you this morning. Thank you this morning for my brothers and sisters. Thank you, Father, for those present in the room, those watching online. Thank you, Father, that you're teaching us, Lord, simple things, true things, practical things, effective things, Lord, in our lives. Father, help us. Teach us by your Holy Spirit. Show us how to put on the armor of God, the whole armor of God, Father. But we don't want to just, we certainly don't want to go into the battlefield with no armor, but Lord, we, we don't want to go on out there with a helmet on and no shoes and no sword, no shield. So, Father, help us. Father, I'm declaring 2021 to be the greatest year of victory that this family of faith and everyone who makes it up has ever seen. But Lord, we can't win if we don't know how to defeat the devil's wiles. And we can't defeat his wiles if we don't put on the whole armor of God. So, Father, we bless you this morning. We say thank you, Lord. You, you're, you're, you're offering it to us. And we not only take it, but we say thank you for it, sir. Now teach me how to use it. Teach me how to wear it. Teach me how to look good in it. Amen. To carry myself well with it. Father, may I put that helmet of salvation on my head and may my spine get a little straighter. May my feet become a little more planted. May my grip on the sword become a little stronger and a little tighter. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We take it and we put it on. We take it and we say thank you and we put it on now. Clothed in salvation, clothed in righteousness, clothed in truth, clothed in peace, clothed in faith. With the flaming sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God in our hands and in our mouths. Forgive us, Father. We've been sitting ducks. T-shirt and our flip-flops and our smartphones thinking that we are equipped to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship Him this morning before we're dismissed. If you're here and you'd like someone to pray with you, these altars are always open. I'd be honored to pray with you. Let's just kind of take a moment and ask the Lord to help us really get this settled in our spirits.
Thank you, Father. Go ahead.